for praise. My God. Uh, first and foremost, giving honor and thanks to God. Alpha Street is uh, an extreme privilege to be on this side of the sacred desk this morning. And I can't go any further without thanking the shepherd of our house, the Reverend uh, Dr. Howard John Wesley, for giving me this awesome opportunity. I'm humbled and I don't take it lightly. So I'm just gonna jump right on into it because I don't wanna waste any of your precious time. If you are able, I'd like you to stand to your feet for the reading of our scripture. We will be reading 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I'm reading the New International Version. If you have it, say amen. And if you need a little time, say hold up. I'm holding. It'll also be in the screens above us. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in the whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came, to, came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as surely as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father, the chariot and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on a Jordan. You may be seated in the presence of God. With the help of the Holy Spirit, I wanna teach and preach on the subject, you can't be better holding on to bitter. I'll let it sit for a second. Will you all pray with me, please? Heavenly and eternal Father, we thank you for this new opportunity to be in your house once again. It is now the moment we've prepared our hearts and our minds for worship through your word. I am thankful that you saw fit to use the broken vessel that I am. 
I know I'm flawed and unworthy, but I ask that you take me and hide me behind the cross so that your people will see less of me and more of you. Not my will, Father God, but your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this month, the month of September, we've been dealing with this theme, Better Together. Yeah, we've, been, we've been traveling through pairs of relationships that Pastor has done an excellent job breaking down to show us what we need to learn. And I'm not going to try to repeat, re- repeat Pastor's sermons, so I'm just going to highlight a couple of things for those who weren't here. We, we looked at the relationship between Paul and Barnabas, and he highlighted how there were some, some, some problematic tendencies with, Barnab- with, with Paul that caused a division between him and Barnabas. But really, that was to show us that we really needed people like Barnabas in our lives, people who would build with us, who would support us, who would be with us. And then the next week, he took us through the relationship between Naomi and Ruth to show us Ruth's loyalty, how Ruth loved Naomi even when it didn't make sense to show us we need people like Ruth in our lives who will love us when it doesn't make sense. And then last week, he took us through the King David and the prophet Nathan, and how Nathan was used to rebuke David because we need people like Nathan in our lives who are going to rebuke us, to keep us on our straight and narrow path, who are going to help protect our future, who are going to help us live out our God-given assignment. So he walked us through these, these relationships, and I'm going to try to follow up on that. I know it's difficult, some following pastor, and that's a, that's a foolish thing to do. So I went home. And I told my wife and I told my daughter, leave me alone. I locked myself in the office. I went to my office, I closed the door, and then they respected the wishes. They didn't bother me, and I said I need to, to properly reflect to see what I can find in this relationship between Elijah and Elisha that'll teach us something about being better together. So I'm reflecting. And because I got the attention span of a fly, <laughs> within 15 minutes I'm on YouTube watching video skits of the Chappelle show. (laughs) I was. And I came across one of my favorite skits, When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. Yeah, Yeah, some of y'all know that, right? For those who don't, it's it's pretty much someone who, who has the benefit of a positive and productive relationship. And, And something happens that challenges him in the middle of that the the benefit of that relationship, and and, and the person has a decision to make, I can address this challenge in a political way, with some tact, or I could keep it real. I'm from the hood. He decides to keep it real, and in the two videos I watched, it ended up going horribly wrong. So I'm reflecting on that. Dave Chappelle, good relationships, going bad, Then I thought about better together, and I thought about God-ordained relationships going bad. And then I started to think, if we're going to work as a community in being better together, what I need to know is, what do you do when the Barnabas in your life has a bad day at work only to come home and take it out on you? Now, I'm not saying that he's, he, he's beating you anything, sisters. I'm just saying he's talking crazy to you, and we know you don't like brothers to talk to you any old way. But what do you do? What do you do when the Ruth in your life, who was supposed to love you in ways that didn't make sense, all of a sudden not returning your phone calls or your text messages? 
What do you do when, when the Nathan, who's supposed to keep you on the straight and narrow, wants to bring you to happy hour every day of the week, knowing you're trying to lose weight and save money? What are they thinking and what do you do in response? So the question is, how do you respond to God-ordained relationships when you know that 10 out of 10 times it's going to have to be with people who are flawed? I asked these questions, but I did a scan of popular culture. I did a scan of social media. I did a scan of my own life. And what I noticed is we live in a cutoff society. When we're in relationships with people and then there's trouble and turmoil, we cut them off. And it may not be you, but someone sitting here who can't deal with disagreement. Someone can't deal with pain. Someone can't deal with seeing a former friend who no longer offers value in their opinion to the relationship. So we cut people off from their neck to their knees before they know what hit them. It's the truth. Somebody's sitting in 7.30 right now because you cut off someone at 9.30. It's the truth. Somebody in Psalms, no, I've been been with them. They actually like like each other. I went on trips with them. But someone probably went from choir A to choir B because they had an issue with someone in their section. I guarantee you, I can guarantee you that someone sitting here right now who cut off a friend because every single week they texting you, I'm running late, save me a seat when you get to church. putting you in a position to now fight with these good ushers. No, baby, if you don't walk in with me, you don't sit with me. It's as simple as that. I'm not built for that overflow life. You need to get here when I get here. Whatever the reason. The reality is we have become quick to cut people off. But there are times when God would use trouble in relationships to see if you're willing to follow your wants or you're willing to follow God's will. So we need to look at this because are you praying for people when there's, this, there's a need for clarity and confusion? Are you praying for direction and guidance? Are you praying for God to be a good and positive force in the lives of people who are driving you crazy? Well, if you've prayed about it and you feel God is moving you to reconcile or maybe be a little more patient with someone in your life, if you look to God for solution and you feel like he's giving you an answer, I think that within the relationship between Elijah and Elisha, there's something layered that can teach us a lesson. Now, a lot of y'all are looking at me confused because you're saying we just read the same scripture you read. I don't see a problem between Elisha and Elijah. Y'all saying that there's no issue here, so what are you talking about cutting folks off? Now, in order to do this, I, 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 I need to go back because right now you see a loyal Elisha. Right now, you see an Elisha who who was confronted with three opportunities to leave Elijah. Elijah said, stay here in Gilgal. He said, I'm coming with you. They get get to to Bethel. He says, you know what? Stay here in Bethel. And Elisha's like, I'm coming with you. Then they finally get to Jericho. And he's like, stay here in Jericho. And Elisha's like, dude, you know this already. I'm coming with you. We're going to the Jordan. So you're saying there's no problem 
between Elijah and Elisha. But let's go back. This is the second time we see in the Bible with them being together. There is a first time. And I think we need to examine the first time in order to uncover the problem. Before we get to the first time, let me give you a little backstory. You got Ahab, who's now the, the king of Israel. He marries Jezebel. Jezebel comes to Sidon. They have this, this, this polytheistic worship of gods. They bring Baal with them. So now you have the king of Israel building an altar and a temple to Baal. God doesn't like that. So he sends Elijah to go say something to him. And in the next verse, you find out that Elijah goes to Ahab, like, listen, this is going to be a drought because y'all cutting up. They don't like that. He runs for his life. Now, I'm, I'm skipping some stuff. I want you to go back and read all of 1 Kings so you can see what's going on with Elijah. I'm only going to give you the pieces that I think are important to this sermon. Point one in this piece, he goes to him. He tells him about the drought. He runs for his life. God says, go to him again. In the very next verse, he goes back to him and says, listen, we got an issue. And at that meeting, he challenges the 450 prophets of Baal. And that challenge looks a little like this. Cut up oxen, lay it on the altar. You go on and call on the, on the name of your God, Baal. Let that God bring down fire to burn up the oxen. Don't you set it on fire. Let your God set it on fire. And that's the challenge. So they cut up the oxen, and they're calling on Baal from morning to noon, from noon to midday, from midday to evening. And Elijah, like a good spades player, is popping mess. He's sitting there talking about, what's wrong with your God? He didn't come and burn this up yet. Is he tired? Maybe he's asleep. It's Elijah's turn. He lays out the oxen on the altar. He tells a man, dump four jars of water on it. Tells another man, dump four more jars of water on it. Tells the third man, dump four. That's 12 jars. 12 jars. Oh, you know the Hebrew Bible loves the number 12. There's 12 jars of water. The oxen soaked. The altar soaked. Water puddled around it. He calls on the name of the Lord. The Lord sends down fire, burns up the oxen, burns up the altar, licks up the water. And then the people say, the Lord is God. Elijah's like, I got him now. He, he tells the people, seize the 450 prophets of Baal and put them to death. Jezebel hears about this and she is livid. The very next day, according to Jezebel, Elijah's got to die. So he's no, he's no stupid fool. He goes on the lamb again. Now he's out, he's running. And he hears God. He has another, there's some stuff happens. I need you to go read the other stuff that happens. I'm just pointing out the fact that he has an encounter with God. And God says, go anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Go anoint Jehu, king of Israel. Go anoint Elisha as prophet in your place. And in the very next verse, Elijah finds Elisha. I did all that to bring you to the point where they have their first interaction. Elijah sees Elisha plowing with his oxen. He passes Elisha, he throws a cloak over him. That throwing of the cloak over him is symbolic. It symbolizes the commissioning of Elisha. It's saying that you got next. I'm passing along the prophet's personality to you. You're gonna take this up and run with it. Elisha catches up to Elijah, and this is what he says, says to him. He says, let me go kiss my mother and my father, and then I will come follow you. And then I will come follow you. 
Elijah's response is somewhat confusing. Elijah says, go back, period, what have I done to you, question mark. Go back, period, what have I done to you, question mark. Now, it's confusing, even for the commentaries. Some of them say that this is Elijah giving permission. Some of them saying it's a mild rebuke. I'm of the side of it being a mild rebuke because you have Elijah whose life is in danger, and every single time he hears the call of God, he responds to it in the very next verse. Do you know what Elisha did in his very next verse? He went home, he killed his oxen, he, cooked, he, 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 he burnt up all of his equipment, and he cooked the oxen to then serve to his people as a party. Not mother, not father, he served the oxen to his people. If I was Elijah, I would be upset. Here I am risking my life for the Lord to bring you an opportunity to be the prophet of God for the people of Israel, and you want to go home and have a party. All that's telling me is that you're not putting into this relationship what I'm putting in this relationship. That's telling me that there's no reciprocity. You know how we are. We will cut someone off in a heartbeat if we feel like we're being a better friend to them than they're being to us. And I think that's what Elijah was going through. I can, Elijah, I can imagine Elisha saying, after this interaction, I don't want to see Elisha anymore. And this happens in the 19th, 19th chapter of 1 Kings. I can imagine that in the, the, the 20th chapter of 1 Kings, uh, that's why he's not around. The 21st chapter, he's not around. The 22nd chapter, he's not around. We don't see him again until the second chapter of 2 Kings. I don't know if anyone here is a Washington Redskins football fan. I know, I know someone here is a, is a Dallas Cowboys fan. I do know that much. But this reminds me what Jay Gruden did to Adrian Peterson the first game of the year. Adrian Peterson will probably go down arguably as one of the best running backs in the history of the NFL. And his coach brought him to a game and did not suit him up. His coach brought him to a game and said, you're here, but you can't play. I think after Elijah and Elisha had that first interaction, Elisha was with Elijah, but Elijah wasn't going to let him play. Until we get to the verse we read earlier. He reflected. He thought about God's call. And then he said, I need to give Elijah, Elisha a second chance. When we have people in our lives that we've cut off, we've got to give them a second chance. That's the foundation to reconciling relationships. See, y'all read 2 Kings and you made Elisha the hero of the story. But I think Elisha needed another opportunity to show that he was just immature. Elisha needed a second chance to show that he had grown. Elisha needed a second chance to say that the man you saw yesterday is not the man that stands before you today. And that's why we need to give people second chances because we all grow in this world. We all become someone different. We all become someone brand new. When you cut someone off and you refuse to give a second chance, what you're saying is you don't want to be a witness to the things that God is doing in their lives. When we cut someone off and we refuse to give second chances, what we're saying is that we'd rather be so bitter that we'd refuse to be an instrument or a tool of comfort to someone who's in need and encouragement. We shut the door on the unimaginable ways that God can use us in other people's lives. 
I talk about this a lot, but when I was 16, um, it, it, there was a moment where it became unsafe for me to be at home. My mother suffered from bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, and manic depression. So at 16, when the moment came, at 3 o'clock in the morning, I had to push her out the way. And at 3 in the morning, I had to walk from Yonkers, New York, to Mount Vernon, New York, at 3 in the morning. And with every step, I said to myself, if I never see this woman again, it'd be fine by me. With every step, I said, I don't need to look back. I don't need to go back. And the real tragedy is not in the events that led me to leave. The real tragedy is that for 16 years, I did not see her. For 16 years, I refused to reconcile. God would allow us to miss things if we refuse to reconcile. That's 16 Mother's Days, 16 Thanksgivings, 16 Christmases, 32 birthdays between the two of us. And that's not to mention the individual accomplishments, the new jobs, the graduations, the times when you just needed to hear her voice. We get mad. We refuse to reconcile. And then we miss things. But some of y'all are sitting there like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to reconcile with her. I don't care. She should have known my ex from 13 years ago was off limits. She don't get a do-over. I understand it. But you really want to make me say it. You really want to make me say it? The reason why we need to give people second chances, the reasons why we need to reconcile with folk and go towards forgiveness, the reason why we shouldn't shut people out of our lives at a whim is because we serve a God who did it for us. We serve a God who said that I'm a God of second chance. Even though you've been a hot mess, second chance. Even though I've been a ratchet fool, second chance. We have a God that will back us up and no matter what we do, we get a second chance. So you decide, you probably warm up to this idea of second chances. You probably warm up to the idea that you, you, you might want to reconcile with someone. Uh, what, what's the next thing you're going to want to do? What's the next thing you're going to do? It, it just makes sense. You, you made up your mind. You want to reconcile. What do you do next? It's so complicated, it's simple. It's so simple, it's complicated. You just open your mouth and have a conversation. We open up our mouths and we talk. It's in the Bible. Elijah and Elisha were walking and talking together. They were walking and talking together. See, we've got to have a heart to talk to people that oftentimes we talk about behind their backs. We have got to have a heart to talk to people. Because when we talk to people, there are two things we might realize. One, you need to be by yourself in order to have that conversation move towards reconciliation. There were 50 men who were part of the company of prophets. They were with them from the beginning, but they weren't with them at the end. When they crossed over to Jordan, it was Elijah and Elisha. 
We got to stop having friends, extended friends, frenemies, and family as a part of A and B conversations. When we want to move towards reconciliation, it's got to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation that will allow us to resolve the issues we have. The second thing I like about this, when you have a conversation with someone, it gives you an opportunity to listen to the other person's point of view. And when you listen to the other point, person's point of view, you may realize you was wrong. Some people like, no, I got it all between my two ears. I'm never wrong. No, you was wrong. Elijah sees Elisha. He walks up on Elisha and he gives him a cloak. And if you notice in the scripture, he keeps it moving. He doesn't have a conversation with them. He doesn't tell them what it's for. He doesn't tell them what to do. There's an expectation that you understand what this means. But Elisha may have needed some instruction. Elijah may, Elisha may have needed some dialogue. He may have needed the benefit of being told, I'm giving you this cloak now, and this is what it means. Now, that's a word for a lot of us because we have friends and family members who expect us to be mind readers. But the truth is, if we are not talking, then what will happen is that our expectations will rule our ill-informed assumptions, which if not placed in check, will cause a greater harm. If we don't talk, our expectations will be ruled by ill-informed assumptions, which if we do not place in check, will cause greater harm. So it was mentioned that I, I, I work with youth. And about three, four years ago, I had to take 50 of them on a bus tour to visit colleges. We're walking on campuses, we're eating, we're stopping for meals three times a day, we're staying in hotels. I got 50, 16, and 17-year-olds with me staying in hotels without their mamas. They know Mr. Rashim is cool, but he is serious about the rules. So curfew is 10 p.m. And at 9.45, the staff will flare out, will flank out to make sure everyone is in their rooms and making it to their rooms. I finally get to the last room of fellas. It's about 9.55. There are three brothers in the room, but there's supposed to be four. So I say, where's the fourth? I don't know, Mr. Rashim. What do you mean you don't know? He's not in my pocket, Mr. Rasheen. <laughs> so I said, call him. Oh, we don't have his phone number. What, nobody has his phone number? So now I think they're trying to cover for him. I'm about to set this place on fire. <laughs> then I see him running down the hall, and then he skirts through me, jumps in the room like he's sliding in a home base. <laughs> I look at my watch, all right, it's 9.59. Okay, you made it, you safe. All right, cool. I turn around to walk away, and as I'm walking away, one of the brothers say, man, where were you? I was just about to text you. <laughs> you could have heard a record scratch. I turned around, went back in that room like you was about to text him. 
How you about to text him? Two minutes ago, nobody had his phone number. All of a sudden, you ready to text him? I'm telling you, I was full Denzel training day. I was walking around like, I'm gonna burn this mother down. I'm, I'm pointing the brothers out, shoe program, 23 hour lockdown, King Kong ain't got on me. These brothers were shook. They was like, no, Mr. Rush, you know, Mr. I don't. You asked if we had his phone number, we didn't lie. You asked if we called him, we didn't lie. I'm like, you lied. There's no way you can tell me you texting a brother and you don't got his phone number. How can you text a brother and not have his phone number? He pulls out his phone, he's like, we all on Instagram. <laughs> See, if you got that, y'all be in people's DMs a little bit too much. The reality is I'm making an assumption that if you don't have a phone number, you can't text somebody. But what this millennial population knows is the first thing they're gonna ask you, and I've seen Ari ask it, the first thing they're gonna ask you is, what's your Snapchat, what's your Instagram? And through those platforms, they can text each other. See, I had to talk, they had to talk to me, and by the grace of God, they was able to put me in my place and show me that I was wrong. We need to have conversations. We need to talk. It's got to be done in private. You don't need a studio audience. You got to recognize when you're wrong, you're wrong. And I have been wrong. So you're playing around with the idea. You're saying you might be ready to go on ahead and reconcile with someone, not cut, be so quick to cut someone off but you got friends in your ear. And they're telling you, don't do it. It's too difficult. Do you remember the heartache and pain and the tears that were involved? Do you, do you remember when families split and friends split? Do you, do you know how difficult this is? And I wanted to go back into the, 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 the text to see if there was something that addressed that difficulty. So as I was looking through it, I overlooked the obvious. The obvious piece that I overlooked was the cloak. This whole mess started between Elijah and Elisha over the passing of a cloak. Elijah gave it to Elisha, and Elisha didn't understand its significance. Evidently, Elijah was pissed off because he took the cloak back. When they got to the Jordan, Elijah rolled the cloak and struck the Elisha no longer had, had the cloak. But when they get on the other side, they commit to having a conversation, and this is what I see. Elijah says, Elisha, what can I do for you? Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. Elijah says, in response, this is a difficult thing to do. That's when you listen to your friends. When it's put in your face that's something that can be done, but it's difficult. That's when we run away. That's when we turn around. That's when we say, we're not built for this. That's not my ministry. Elijah is telling him, if you want what you want, it's a difficult thing to do. But then he helps him. He gives him a blueprint. He says, but if you look at me as I'm being taken away from you, endure the difficulty it, the double portion of my spirit, will be yours. Reconciliation is a difficult work. 
But like Elisha, we can't be scared of the hardship. We can't be scared of the difficulty. Elijah was taken. Elisha saw it. Elisha was in pain. But the cloak was left behind, imbued with the double portion of Elijah's spirit and the power of God. This is what we've got to understand today is that we can endure difficulty. We can sustain through hardship. We can be in a position where you're reopening old wounds, but if you rely on the power of God, there is nothing you can't endure. There is nothing you can't endure when you recognize that God is the one who will comfort you. So let's be honest. I went through all of this and I think I buried the lead. Some people need to be cut off and stay cut off. But I'm asking, don't you make that decision. Pray to God. Let God make that decision. If you feel him leading you in a direction to remove bitter out of the relationship and make it better, then go on ahead and make the first move. Yes, it might be uncomfortable. Yes, committing to giving people a second chance may feel like it's against your best interest. Yes, committing to have a little conversation is going to be difficult. Yes, sometimes relying on God is better said than done. But I am begging you, do it. For when you reconnect with someone, you are giving yourself an opportunity to allow God to use you in your life, and you may be blessed when God uses them in yours. Amen. Do me a favor, would you rest yourselves for a moment? I feel The gift of laughter and the ability to preach the word seamlessly has made a very difficult word easy to digest. And I don't want what God spoke through Rasheen to miss someone in a moment. If you would just bow for a moment, and if you don't mind closing your eyes to listen. What is the Lord calling you to do? Your coming to church today was not accidental. It was not habit. It was not tradition. Somebody's coming to this place having cut others off. It may be justifiably so because what they did was hurtful and disrespectful. It was unnecessary. And yet the most difficult word from the Lord is that I want you to do for others what I have done for you. All month long, we've been reading Paul write to us that if we have a grievance against anyone, to go to them and try to be reconciled. 
So in this moment of reflection, rather than asking you to shout or run to the altar, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to paint the portrait in your mind of who this message may apply to in your life. That maybe the greatest sign of our spirituality is not our shout nor our talking in tongues, but leaving this 7.30 service committed to obeying the call of God to reconcile. Who is God calling you to? Lord, it's not easy to hear that call. And I thank you for proclaiming it today through your preacher. Because you are not glorified in a broken relationship that you never ordained to end. Lord, help me to see the value of those whom you've called to my life and to learn the power of having private conversation. Jesus taught us that if you have an ought with anyone, go to them individually and talk about it. Lord, I pray that you give my brother, my sister, the strength for conversation. You promised that wherever two or three are gathered, Lord, that that's not about low church attendance. That's not about some poorly attended program. That verse is lifted up that wherever two or three gather to reconcile a relationship, you are in the midst of that conversation. Lord, remind us that, that when we put out the white flag, when we wave the palm, when we send the text or the message to ask, can we talk, that you are already in that conversation. That you've preceded any conversation we're gonna have with your presence. Guide now, O Lord, that we may not simply be hearers of your word, but doers also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you help me thank God for the word that God delivered into our spirits on today?